What's up, everyone? Just want to give you a quick heads up about today's show. We began the show on Monday afternoon. It was me, Dave, and Heath. We were getting ready to break down Heath's rankings, actually, but in the middle of the episode, we had to stop due to a technical issue, and we then resumed the episode on Tuesday afternoon. And the only problem was Heath wasn't in the office on Tuesday, so you're going to hear Heath for about 20 minutes, and then we'll continue without him and break down Dave's updated rankings instead. I just thought you should know in case you were wondering where Heath went and why he mysteriously disappeared halfway through the show. Heath is fine. He'll be back later in the week. That is all. Enjoy the show. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Monday, March 19th. What's up? And welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Who's pumped? For Vikings Eagles. Dude, I'm, I'm pumped for football. I was at a sports bar on Sunday and they had the NFL network on. Keep, keeping in mind, there's golf going on. There's this tournament involving college basketball that you might have heard of going on. And this sports bar had NFL network on and they were replaying red zone from week two and I was watching it. So I'm ready for football. If it's Vikings Eagles, if that's the first game they're going to put in front of me, you know I'm going to watch it. Will Carson Wentz be ready for Vikings and Eagles? That's a different question. They were replaying week two of of Red Zone? Just the Red Zone feed from week two. And you were watching that? While eating my taco salad. Taco, like a legit taco salad? Or like we're going to tell your wife it was a taco salad, but in actuality it was a burrito? Oh, it was a taco salad. My wife was with me. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right, so, yeah, uh, we're starting the season with a good one, according to Howard Eskin, uh, an Eagles sideline reporter who also is a sports radio WIP, and uh, that should be a fun one. That's the Thursday night opener, September 6th, reportedly, not confirmed. But we're here to talk about more free agency. On our Thursday show, well, on our Monday show, it was Browns, Browns, Browns. On our Thursday show, it was Jarek McKinnon and Rex Burkhead and... Uh, Alan Robinson and Sammy Watkins, etc. Today it's Michael Crabtree and Jordy Nelson and Legarrette Blunt and things like that. And uh, tell me who, as you've done your rankings, as you've adjusted them, who has been your biggest riser or faller? I was going to restrict it to from the weekend since our last show, but I feel that seems a little boring. So you tell me, biggest risers and fallers, one, two, whatever, however, however many you want. I'll take just from the weekend and say Michael Crabtree moved up in my rankings quite a bit. Um, not necessarily an improvement in terms of quarterback, maybe even a slight downgrade, although Derek Carr hasn't actually been very good for two-thirds of the time that they've been together. But the opportunity there, there's so many targets available in that Baltimore offense, and he's going to get a bunch of them. So Crabtree definitely moved up. My biggest faller was Amir Abdullah, and we probably should have known this was coming. Yes, LeGarrette Blunt, one-year deal. They probably, you think they'll still probably draft someone? I would hope so, because if they go into the season with LeGarrette Blunt and Amir Abdullah, it's going to be a replay of the last three seasons for Detroit. And, and just to back up what Heath was saying about Baltimore, Mike Wallace is a free agent. Jeremy Macklin's gone. So enter Michael Crabtree, who's actually, yeah, ranked a little higher than I thought, but that makes a lot of sense, ranked by Heath anyway. He's 21st in standard and 17th in PPR. Dave, Ooh, you've always been a Crabtree guy, and you were a Ravens receiver um, fanatic. I, think, he, I don't know if I was a And fanatic. now you've got him 21st among wide receivers. That's 
pretty much what Michael Crabtree has been for most of the last couple of years, right? Like, uh, I just No, better than that. I mean, right. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, go ahead. Keep going. I'll give you the exact the, numbers. The biggest thing for me with Crabtree, because I don't think he's pr- going to be particularly efficient. Like I said, he does not have a good quarterback in Joe Flacco. I'm not sure that he scores a ton of touchdowns, though he's been pretty good at that on a per-catch basis in his career. It's targets. Mm. There are so many targets available. I, right now I have him at around 140 targets, which is like the 10th or 11th highest of any player. That still seems a little high, and I would still expect them to add another wide receiver before August. Well, they got John Brown, too. Okay. They and do. Maybe another receiver on top of that. Hey, let's not, let's not just snicker at John Brown. He's good. I'm not. He's, but is he going to be anything close to what he was a few years back? Is he going he to be available? Yards? Is he, is he going to catch 60 passes? Let's be real. Uh, it's hard to count on that. No, I, I, it's hard to count on him, but he's a good player when he's healthy. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, this is a guy though, Flacco has never thrown, or he's two seasons in his career with more than 22 touchdowns. Derek Carr has thrown like 28 and 32 touchdowns in two of his last three seasons. So Flacco's just not very good for fantasy wide receivers. Never yeah. really has been. Yeah. No. Very rarely. So Jordy Nelson's my biggest riser because I had him unranked until he signed with the Raiders. And now he's ranked 39th for me among wide receivers. Really am nervous about drafting him if he takes over the Crabtree role. And uh, do we really get into Isaiah Crowell? Can we say that he's a faller because he's falling? Sure. Falling, sure. falling. We had this argument on Thursday. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see with him. I, I, you know, if we can go back to Thursday, I still, I'm liking Jarek McKinnon even more. He is, uh, he is like top 15 running back for me now. Uh-huh. Okay, Closer well, yeah, to 15 look, than 10, of course. Kyle but. Shanahan likes him a lot. A lot. Kyle Shanahan seems to like him a lot. I think he's going to catch a, a lot of passes. I projected him for 60-plus catches. And I don't think the 49ers are going to add another running back. I think they're going to go into the season with him, Breida, Joe Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Juszczyk, Muszczyk, and that's going to do it. <laughs> I wanted to add something on, on McKinnon because, you know, people – People hate when I bring up yards per carry, but his yards per carry were like a full yard worse than Dalvin Cook's and even a little bit worse, basically the same as Latavius Murray. But I really thought that Murray was just kind of a slug, and I felt like I I was surprised that McKinnon only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. It seems like there's room for more there, but I guess my issue is that he just hasn't really shown that he's that good of a running back yet. The question for me will be how good is the 49ers defense? Cause that's going to determine how often they can run the ball. And then two other things that maybe are more important. The trend we saw at the end of last year when Jimmy Garoppolo became quarterback where he just didn't throw the ball to running backs as often. Does that continue? And does the trend of Jarek McKinnon getting basically no red zone usage continue? That's one thing that you've got to worry about with McKinnon is if you draft him, you're basically hoping for the yardage to be there week in and week out. Garoppolo, when, when Garoppolo's on the field for the 49ers, running backs averaged one and a half fewer catches per game than they did with Bethard, Hoyer, all those other guys that they had at the beginning of the year. But they had seven more carries per game with Garoppolo because they were in competitive games. Mm-hmm. And I think that all the running backs that they had in San Francisco last year weren't great at catching the ball, and that's why McKinnon's there more than anything else. Like, he'll have more carries and catches. I'm not going to talk about him being, you know, a passing down specialist. They're going to use him on all three downs for that role. They're going to give him 12 carries per game. I'm not going to go crazy with that. 
But I, I think he's got a real opportunity to lead that backfield. And I think that offense, we've been talking about him so much, they should be fun to watch. And even if, if they're playing from behind, he's going to be on the field all the time. If they're in a close game, he'll be on the field a lot. And if they're trying to kill clock, I don't know if it's going to be him. And certainly the goal line, like Heath said, but he's still going to get a lot of work. I think he's going to be the lead back there. And so for right now, Heath, call me crazy or not call me crazy, I'm taking him with a third-round pick. I have him ranked as an end-of-the-third-round pick as my 17th running back. Okay. We're going to come back to McKinnon's ranking. Yeah, because Heath has McKinnon in a group with Kenyon Drake, Rex Burkhead, and Alex Collins. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I want to go to a Twitter poll that I put up today. It's got, uh, it's actually pretty popular, about an hour old and has about a thousand to eleven hundred votes. Who would you rather have next season? Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb? I, I didn't know how this one would go. Sixty percent of the participants said Jordy Nelson over Randall Cobb. What, what do you guys think? I currently have Nelson out of Cobb. I do too, and I, I'm a little suspicious of my own process, I guess, because when Jordy was in Green Bay, I wasn't that interested. And all of a sudden he's in Oakland and now I feel like I like him more. And the numbers say I like him more. I don't, like, he has a much worse quarterback, obviously. He's not going to be the number one there. But there were more mouths in Green Bay, especially once Jimmy Graham showed up. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm worried about the chemistry with Carr. I'm worried about him staying healthy. I'm worried about how fast he is. There's just, there, there are too many variables that for now, in mid-March, worry me. Okay, but would you take him over Cobb, though? Yeah, I would. I don't really have a lot of interest in Randall Cobb. I, uh, trust me, I, I'm i with you on that. <laughs> I think Cobb's stuck in, in this slot role, and he's going to be 50, 55 catches and whatever else he can do after getting about 11 yards of catch, 12 yards of catch. I, I Maybe I'm interested. See, I wonder if people are answering this poll and saying Jordy Nelson because they just assume that the Packers are going to add another wide receiver, and they don't think that for the Raiders. I, I'm not sure that the Packers are done. I don't know that they should be done. They basically have Devontae Adams and, like, two guys who are past their prime and Cobb and Graham, and, and then I don't know what else. But I guess I'm just not at all interested in Jordy Nelson and clearly would be able to take Cobb later. So that wasn't part of the question. I, I mean, draft value and, and who you'd rather have are completely different. I just can't see myself taking Jordy Nelson. I, I, I'm not no interest in him. Like we didn't really have much interest in him when it was Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. Why would I have any interest in him, in him now? And he's 33 years old, or he will be in May. Are you guys? Where do you have Nelson in the 30s? Right? Yeah, mid mid 30s. And Cobb's outside the top 50 for you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got Cobb projected for 59 catches, 630 yards, and six touchdowns, and that's like the 53rd best receiver in my projections. So I, that's the last couple of years you look at what he's done, he's been right in that 60 to 65 catch range, 600 to 650 yards, four touchdowns each year. I don't know why I'd really expect him to get a lot better. Well, you have Cobb in the 50s, you have Graham eighth-ish. And I know everybody's high on Devontae Adams, but how does Aaron Rodgers have a great year if Graham's, Graham is in top five or Cobb is in top 30? You know what I mean? If one of those two things doesn't happen. Well, if Devontae Adams is top 10, that certainly goes a long ways towards helping that. And I do expect there will be a third wide receiver involved. I don't know who it will be at this time, but there are plenty of names still left out there that Aaron Rodgers can make better than they were last year. And then finally, he still has Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, 
I would expect the running backs are involved in the passing game again. And you want to know why that's a good thing for Aaron Rodgers is because I don't know if any of those running backs can be effective on handoffs and toss plays and non-passing plays. So if they can't if they can't run the ball effectively, it's going to fall on Aaron Rodgers to throw all over the place again. I know, but I'm just saying, like, like doesn't Randall Cobb have to fall into numbers? Well, two years ago, Aaron Rodgers was pretty good, right? Sure. And yes. Randall Cobb had 60 catches. Yeah, Jordy for Nelson was yards. on. Jordy Nelson was the number two wide receiver in fantasy that year. Yeah. So Devontae <laughs> Adams is going to fill that role. Well, then you better put him number two, not number ten, or wherever you have Devontae Adams. He doesn't have Adams. to be number two. I've got, and I don't have, and Aaron Rodgers isn't my number one quarterback. He's number two, right? Yes. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. That's cuckoo, but no, nah, it's not. But uh, it's fun to talk about. But as I'm saying, is like if if Devonta Adams is tenth ish, and Jim, Jimmy Graham is eighth, and Randall Cobb is fifty third, Aaron Rodgers is not gonna be the number two quarterback in fantasy. There will be another wide receiver. Okay. Okay. So, uh. I have a couple of hot takes. I don't really think I believe them, but they're fun. Let's have fun. Hot take number one. Oakland is going to be a fantasy wasteland. Wow. No faith in Gruden. None. This, this, how do you get rid of Michael Crabtree for Jordy Nelson? That makes no sense. It's not even a financial savings with what they ended up paying Jordy Nelson. Not a big one. Was Crabtree a problem in the locker room? Because that could have something to do with it. Maybe. And then they say, all right, maybe it's a little bit of a downgrade in talent, but at least we don't have a hothead or whatever it is. I, I, I wrote this tweet late last week when there was talk about Jordy joining the Raiders that I, I almost wish, and this would have been better for fantasy in some ways and worse in other ways, but what if the Raiders had kept Crabtree and added Jordy? And so they're rolling out wow. three receiver sets with Cooper, Crabtree, and Jordy. I think that would be great for Derek Carr. And they could have done it by cutting, they could have reduced Lynch's salary, they could have cut Jared Cook, they could have cut Cordell Patterson. I got a lot of Raiders fans that came after me for that saying, there's no way that's smart because Cook was good last year. I, I could debate you on that one. Lynch still showed some promise and Patterson was a good kick returner. Well, they just traded away Cordell Patterson to the Patriots for beans and uh, Lynch is going to stick around, Cook's going to stick around. I, I agree. I think there's a chance that this could be uh, a problem spot for fantasy. I won't go as far as wasteland, but I like Derek Carr is not a starting quarterback. I don't. You mean for fantasy, right? Oh no, I don't really want to have um, Marshawn Lynch as a starting running back. Like I think there's a good chance Amari Cooper is the only startable fantasy asset on the team. Right. right, And we've been down that road before. Yeah. Hot take number two. Cam Newton is the unsung winner of free agency. Makes no sense, right? Right? You're so like, you're like what, is, what is he talking it, about? Let it make sense. <laughs> I like the Tory Smith trade. I like him having a deep threat. Cam Newton needs to air the ball out. Now, unfortunately, Tory Smith is not Ted Ginn. In terms he is of, Ted Ginn. I, I think Ginn's better at he this point. He is what Ted Ginn was. I, I think that Ginn is better now. I, if Torrey Smith from, from two years ago showed up or something, but I'm not sure. If he's, if he is Ted Ginn, that's great, cause check this out. Last four seasons for Cam Newton. Two of them, he had Ted Ginn. Two of them, he did not. 2014 and 17, he did not. 2015 and 16, Cam Newton had Ted Ginn on the team. Here are his passes of 31 or more yards. He threw the ball 31 or more yards. 
in the two years with Ted Ginn, completed for 917 yards and 14 touchdowns. In the two years without Ted Ginn, 281 yards and three touchdowns. So 917 and 14 compared to 281 and three. A much better deep ball thrower with Ted Ginn. Not a huge surprise. And I think that's the strength of Cam Newton's game. He has a massive arm. He throws a good deep ball. They needed to address this. I think it's an underrated acquisition to go out and get Torrey Smith. I've got a tweet for you that might make you feel even better about it. Ooh, okay. Torrey Smith has been targeted 612 times in his career. He's turned that into 302 catches, 4,900 yards, and 39 touchdowns. Ted Ginn has 50 more targets in his career, 60 more catches, 100 more yards, and 10 fewer touchdowns. I'm just concerned the last two years for Torrey Smith, he averaged 13.4 and 11.9 yards per catch. There could be a lot to that, but this is a guy who was averaging like 17 yards per catch before that. So, but, but yes, I, he's a, he's a deep threat. He helps Cam Newton. I think he's an underrated, Cam Newton is an underrated winner. And he drops a lot of passes just like <laughs> He might drop more. How about this little nugget to help you out, Adam? Carolina's defense might not be as good. They've lost a couple of starters who were good players. I, I do wonder how that offensive line is going to hold up. Norwell was their best lineman. He left in free agency. He's in Jacksonville now. Uh, the unit up front could be trouble for them. Definitely. Yep, has been. I, I, I would almost say that this worked out better for McCaffrey than it did for Cam because the defense is worse. They're going to have to throw a lot. I know the offensive line is still crappy, but McCaffrey isn't going to be able to make it work between the tackles anyway. Let him catch a ton of passes. Oh, and by the way, they have a new offensive coordinator. So you think McCaffrey is a winner here? I haven't moved him down. Okay. I haven't moved Cam down either. Well, what do you think about the Jets trade, guys? Oh, to move up to three? Yeah. I think they had to do it because if they didn't do it, someone else would. Right. It's a te- it might work out. It's a terrible, terrible process. What do you mean? Process. You think they gave up too much? Yes. You give up. If, if you do that every year, give up three second-round picks. Well, first off, you don't won't have the second-round picks. You give up that much value to move up that little when you still don't control, have control over the player that you're going to get. I think it's a really bad process. Maybe it'll work. They may, oh. Maybe they, their guy falls to them and they're right about their guy, but that's, that's way too much to give up. Unless they know who's going one and two. We don't, just because we don't know who's going one and two, they might, they know. don't, they might have an idea. They don't they because no the Giants, idea. the Giants so clearly could trade out. Of okay. That pick. So they probably have an idea on the three quarterbacks that they like there the most is. and they're happy with any of them. And yeah. as long as you're not trading away future first round picks, or multiple first-round picks that are really close to the first-round pick that you're trading for, I don't have a problem with it. So the Bears trade last year, they didn't give up nearly as much as what the Jets did to move up. And, of course, the Bears only moved up one spot. I was fine with it. I'm fine with this, too. Did they overpay according to a chart? Yes. Does that mean it's a bad trade? No. They They had to do it. They didn't have to do it at all. One of those three quarterbacks might fall to them. They didn't know that. Now they do. And now it forces Buffalo to pay an even steeper price if they want to move up to two to jump them. Mm-hmm. Like the Jets realized, holy crap, our team sucks, and the Bills suck, and the Dolphins suck, and they're all going to get quarterbacks, and we need to move up to get one of them. That, I think that they might need In fact, a I think lot it was a great trade now that I think about it. I think it was a great process. trade because they, 
now they're keeping Buffalo and Miami. It's At a, least one of them will absolutely not jump complete in front of them, panic, if not both of them. It was a great trade for the Colts. I think everybody could agree on that. One hundred percent. They yes. did great. It's fantastic. If they're the, still going to get the player that they would have taken at three. If the Jets want, if the Jets get the right quarterback, it's a great trade. If they nail the quarterback, it's a great uh, trade. That's not the right way to think about it. What? Yeah. No, they have to get the pick right. If RG3 had been a great player, that trade would have been fine okay. for, the, for the Redskins. But then you could say that for every single trade that's ever been made. Ricky so it's Williams worth was it. a great player. That it, was still an awful trade. It's worth it for the Jets if they have identified three quarterbacks that they think are franchise quarterbacks that are that are absolute must-haves. Because there are going to be probably more than three quarterbacks off the board by the sixth pick. By the way, they also kept Josh McCown and signed Teddy Bridgewater. That's true, yeah. But whatever. So, those guys are even though they're deals. spending all that money on those quarterbacks, they're still going to go and draft one. And look at the last few quarterbacks they've drafted. Yeah, yeah terrible. But they have to take Maybe a chance. Maybe they just need more shots. They obviously of... felt like the guy they wanted is going to be off the board by six. Or the guys they wanted will be off the board by six. Interesting. And imagine if one of them went to Buffalo or Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good job by the Colts getting three second-round draft picks and the number six pick, and they don't need a quarterback. Good for them. So let's discuss Heath's rankings. Let's also discuss CBS Sports HQ. When am I going to see you guys on CBS Sports HQ? I've been doing segments, talking a little fancy football. Good. On uh, on HQ. Uh, we've kind of been bumped because of that college basketball tournament thing going on. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Yeah, well, CBS Sports I, I, HQ. I've, I've learned a lesson from it. What's that? What's that? That you can. It's it's just like fantasy football, man. You can you can try as hard as you can. You can prepare as much as possible, and you think you know what you're doing when you're making those picks. And then, you know, these guys just go out there, and it's 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 just a game, and there's nothing guaranteed. I am doing. I didn't even look until just now. I am doing so badly. There are about 1,400 people in the pool. I am nearly in last place. Oh, wow, that's bad. It's unbelievable. I'm in 1,365th place. Did you pick Virginia? No, I picked Villanova over – I lost three of my four Final Four teams. Wow, terrible. But if you want to hear more about the tournament or fantasy football or the NFL draft or whatever, CBS Sports HQ, watch – I'm actually looking at what's on right now. Leonard Hamilton appears to be speaking. They're showing the Florida State head coach. Uh, but yeah, it is a, it's live 24-7 streaming sports news and highlights and scores. Your favorite sports, your favorite teams. You can look for it. CBS Sports HQ. Download the CBS Sports app. I watch on my Roku. You can watch on Apple TV, your phone, any connected device, or CBSSportsHQ.com. It's awesome. Check it out. So now it is time for part two of this podcast. We say goodbye to Heath. Remember the announcement I made at the beginning of the show? And we bring in Dave. Right now it's Tuesday afternoon, which actually worked out, Dave, because there's been some news since we started the podcast that we can talk about. Hooray. Bye, Heath. Yes. I was just saying goodbye to Heath. Oh, bye, Heath. Yeah, Heath will be back. Uh, yeah, so we got Alan Hearns getting cut. Oh, we got the Ebron signing. That's a big one. But let's talk about your rankings. Cool? Cool, dude. A lot of Raiders stuff. Derek Carr, number 19. Derek Carr, number 19 for you at quarterback. There's just other quarterbacks that have more upside and who I like better. Uh, you really brought it up. You brought up a great point earlier in this podcast right. slash Monday about uh, how the Raiders could underachieve this year. And, and Gruden is putting his stamp on it. And it seems to be the same stamp he had 
from his days in Tampa Bay and Oakland, and that was a decade ago. I've actually moved him farther down than that. You say I've got him at 19. I'm looking at my rankings. I've got him 21st. Okay. Definitely going to be one of those quarterbacks where if you think he's got potential, you can get him with a late pick. I am toying with the idea of promoting a two-quarterback draft strategy and maybe even a three-quarterback draft strategy. It's kind of crazy. It depends on how many bench spots you've got. But I, I just feel like there are so many great quarterbacks this year that fantasy owners should try and take advantage of it on draft day. That's a that's a topic for a much different time. That's way down the line. Um, for now, Derek Carr is one of those guys. Let's just think about it. Patrick Mahomes, new guy in Kansas City, tons of weapons around him. You're definitely going to take him ahead of Carr. You're going to take Dak Prescott ahead of Carr. You, I would imagine, would take Jared Goff ahead of Carr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The car, there's, a, there's a lot of names. The car's Matt coming Ryan, off, Marcus uh, Mariota. He's coming off a bad season, right? <clears throat> but yes. 2015, he was the number 13 quarterback in fantasy. 2016, he was the number 8 quarterback in fantasy. Ironically, he actually scored more fantasy points in 2015 than he did in 2016. 2016, not a good year for quarterbacks. But uh, he played one less game, so that's that's another thing. If he had played 16 games and just scored his average in 2016, he would have been the number 6 quarterback. So he has a bad year last year. But there's a guy who threw 32 touchdowns in 2015, 28 touchdowns in 2016. And, yeah, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I mean, it's just he's in a part of a big group that could finish scattered throughout the teens, right? Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and that's the problem is that there are so many names in that group. Mm-hmm. That you know, we we can we can pick and choose our way through there based on what you like in your quarterback. And he just lost his touchdown guy too. That was that was what Coop Crabtree. Well, and that's the thing. Like, is Jordy going to fill that role? Because Jordy's done that once upon a time, mm-hmm. but he's three years older than Crabtree and he's new to the team. I again, it's probably a, a locker room thing why they got away from Crabtree. Let's talk about wide receiver then and where you have Amari Cooper. We stick with the Raiders. Now, earlier we heard Heath talk about how Michael Crabtree was a rankings riser for him just because of all the targets. You don't share that opinion, and we did discuss that a little bit. Right, number three receiver. But Cooper, everybody's got him in the teens. You've got him 15th in standard and I think 17th in PPR. Okay, uh, so what do you think? Does this signing affect him? Does it help him, or is his ranking basically unchanged, Amari Cooper? Well, the thing that I kind of like now about Cooper is the track record of how number one wide receivers have done with John Gruden. We're talking about we're talking about uh, a wideout getting over a thousand yards and six touchdowns in ten of his eleven years as a head coach. So if that's the floor for Amari Cooper, and you know, in in a Certain way that's kind of the ceiling for him too. Wait, wait, wait. what was the number? A thousand yards and six touchdowns. Okay. In ten of eleven seasons under Gruden, the number one receiver has come through for that amount. That's and a lot of people say, oh, so what? A thousand yards, six touchdowns. Who cares? That sucks. That's still good for a number two receiver in fantasy. And that's kind of what Amari Cooper is. And I think he does have upside to do a little bit better than that. I'd be disappointed with that. Well, it depends on where you're drafting. If you're drafting him in round two, then of course. Probably no, round three. Uh, yeah, I think he's round three now. But that's where he's yeah. going to go. If not round four. But, uh, you know, I I feel like there are – I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed in 1,006 from Cooper, but I would be disappointed in that draft slot. You know, I, I want more than that if I'm drafting a wide receiver in round three. Uh, what did So Cooper last year had one big game. He was terrible. He had seven touchdowns total. But 680 yards, my goodness. 
Yeah, yeah. That's just not, not what you want. And listen, that whole Raiders team was messed up. Derek Carr said that, that Cooper was hurt last year. And then that's part of the reason why he didn't put up numbers. And just another quick point on, on Jordy. Only once in 11 years did multiple receivers in Gruden's offense top a thousand yards. And it was Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. So really good receivers. But it's probably an, another big knock against Jordy's that there's just enough production. And part of it's because running backs tend to get a lot of catches in this system. There's just, there's not going to be enough to go around for Cooper and Jordy to put up big numbers. Track record says it's not going to happen. So 2015, you know, that, that projection of 1,006 is interesting. That's basically what Cooper did in 2015. 1,070 yards and six touchdowns. He was the number 23 wide receiver in standard, number 21 in PPR. Then a year later, he had a pretty similar year. 1153 yards, 1,153 yards, and five touchdowns. So similar fantasy production, and he moved up to the number 11 wide receiver in standard, number 13 in points. So it does depend on the year. It's exactly what we said about Derek Carr, right? Like Derek Carr scored fewer fantasy points in 2016 than he did in 2015. He actually moved up five spots in the rankings. So I guess what I'm saying is 1,006 in 2015, it was good enough to be about 24th, 23rd. In 2016, it was good enough to be about 12th. Uh, and maybe, last year would have been about 15th or 16th. 15th. All right, so he's appropriately this ranked is, then. This is a good time to bring up how the receiver position is changing. And I plan on writing about this for our fantasy football magazine and how I, I'm not sure what the best laid plans are for wide receiver at this point because there's so much spreading out of the targets now. Tight ends and running backs, running backs especially, are just getting way more targets than they ever did. And there's specialization among wide receivers. That's hurting the big-name guys. Injuries are hurting the big-name guys. And remember how two years ago everybody was ready to start receiver-receiver in their draft and running back was dead? Mm -hmm. It's flipped. Yeah, I know. Should it be? You think it should be? Yeah, given the running backs that are around the league right now? Yeah. I don't have a problem. And because... Just look at how few quality receivers that there are. And I think another interesting thing that you've brought up is the lack of separation at wide receiver between, you know, number... 13 and 39. Right? right? So if I draft Amari Cooper as the number 17 wide receiver and he performs like the number 15 wide receiver, that's fine. I'm not really that happy with that, though. If I draft a guy as the numbers... This might sound crazy, but if I draft a guy in the third round, 17th receiver off the board. I want him to be, if he's not a top 10 guy, you know, then I'm going to feel like I could have just waited two rounds and taken another wide receiver who put up basically the same numbers. Okay, it's not quite as bad as 13 to 39 or basically the same, but the 13th wide receiver last year was Doug Baldwin. He had 142 fantasy points. The 30th wide receiver last year was Amari Cooper. He had 102 fantasy points. So it's a 40-point difference between 13 and 30. Well, that's a pretty big deal, I think. It's two and a half points a week. I think. I mean, I think that's pretty significant, but... I mean, it makes me still want to draft Baldwin ahead of Cooper, but I, I, it's always been a gap kind of about that big, maybe a little bit larger in the past, and now it's just it's, it's starting to shrivel and shrivel. Okay, enough on that. Let's go back to your rankings, Mr. Dave Richard. And Crabtree's a number three receiver. Let's let's get into tight ends, I think. How about Trey Burton? And this is a guy who was signed last week. 
We talked about him on Thursday, but uh, you've got him 11th in both standard and PPR, Trey Burton. I'm taking the chance on him being the next Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and those are obvious comparisons given the head coach of the Chicago Bears, the playbook that the Chicago Bears are going to employ. But there's a couple of other things that I really like about Trey Burton that make that remind me of Kelsey and of Ertz. He's he's lined up as a tight end. Remember, he doesn't play nearly as much because of Ertz in Philadelphia, but he's going to play more in Chicago. He's lined up as a tight end 37% of the time, uh, and even less than that in 2016, 35% of the time. The guy's a tight end, doesn't line up as a tight end. He lines up as a receiver more than as a tight end. In fact, last year he lined up specifically in the slot just as much as he lined up as a tight end for Philadelphia. That's great. I mean, that's I think that Chicago's going to use him in the slot a bunch. And here's something else that I like about Burton. Again, doesn't get a ton of targets because he's not on the field as much as Zach Ertz and Kelsey and every other name that you can think of, but he still has a career catch rate of 66.3%. That's great. You'd love to have that. That means he's catching six, seven out of every 10 targets that's thrown his way. He had one drop last year. Uh, he had two touchdowns on three deep pass attempts last year. His catch rate from the slot, we just got done talking about the slot, 68.8% last year. And he almost never passed blocks. He played 10 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus last year, where he was a pass blocker. Wow. He had over 300 snaps played. So he's running routes. He's a glorified wide receiver playing tight end. So is Kelsey. Ertz can do both. Gronk can do both. I think there's pretty good upside here. So ranking him as a top 12 guy is, is no problem right now. And in two games without Zach Ertz last year, make of this what you will. He had a combined seven catches for 112 yards and three touchdowns on 10 targets. That's pretty, pretty good. He had 10 fantasy points against Denver and 19 fantasy points against the Rams in standard scoring leagues, and he did that with seven catches, so add seven more in PPR. Uh, And let me just throw this out there too, Adam. Interesting one. Yep. Put this on your noodle. If he has a lot of buzz in training camp and he, he He's a full-time starter in the preseason. How high could he fly up the tight end rankings? Would you take him? If, if that happened, if there's a lot of positive stuff about Trey Burton, are you taking Trey Burton or Jack Doyle? Well, I was going to ask you because now, like, I, I was going to bring up that Heath has Doyle fourth at tight end, but I'm going to assume that's changing now that they have Eric Ebron. I'm I'm stunned at him that high to begin with. Yeah, it was pretty bold. I really I feel like his production last year was just based on – Indianapolis not having anything else at in at receiver really. I would probably take Trey Burton over Doyle now that Ebron's there because I I mean I looked it up I wrote it down just a, a major track record of of Andrew Luck using two tight ends. What about Trey Burton or Kyle Rudolph? I, well, I'm not a Rudolph, Rudolph guy. I'd go I'd go Burton. How about Hunter Henry or Trey Burton? Hunter Henry. I think that might be where the line is drawn, but it, I think it could be close too, especially if Gates is still there and, and who knows what role he'll play and, and what that passing game looks like otherwise, what receivers they still have, because Tyrell Williams could still leave the Chargers, who knows. But there's room for him to move up. There's, there, there's a lot to like about him. Let's talk about the tight, the Colts tight ends, two of them now. Eric Ebron signed and Doyle. Everybody's going to have Doyle ranked ahead of Ebron. You have Doyle ninth right now, so it's like uh, Greg Olson five, then Graham, Henry, Kyle Rudolph, Doyle, Reed, Burton. 
Delaney Walker. You still have Doyle ahead of Trey Burton, but this can't help him, right? This has to hurt him. It, he is a volume-dependent tight end who will probably play every down for the Colts, so I don't see that being a problem. I just I, I wonder if if Ebron's going to be kind of a 60% of the snap guy used more as a wide receiver than a blocking tight end because he also does not block. I did the exact same research, the same data points for Ebron as I did for Trey Burton. So if you'll afford me the chance, I'll tell you what I found out. Yeah, I have the hiccups, Dave, while you're doing that. Do you have any All right, any so go get yourself a big glass of water. Give me 45 seconds to go in does on Eric Does that really Ebron. work? The, the, uh, you got to chug water? water. They'll go away in a heartbeat. All right, I'm going to do it. Go ahead. All right, all right. So 2017, Ebron's catch rate, 61.6%. That's not bad. Over the last two years, he caught two-thirds of his targets. That is probably stunning to Lions fans. And fantasy owners that had Eric Ebron because of all the drops they had, and he had drops six last year, seven the year before. That's a problem for him. Uh, deep passes, he caught three of seven targets for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Almost never blocked, just like uh, Burton, except he only played three snaps as a pass blocker in 2017. He lines up as a tight end a lot more often, 52% of the time. I would expect that percentage to go down with the Colts. His catch rate from the slot was really interesting. Remember, seconds ago I just told you his catch rate's into 60%. He only caught half of his targets when he was lined up in the slot last year. So that's kind of a concern as well. I think Ebron's going to be one of those guys that you're going to take with with a late-round pick, hoping that he can get off to a decent start. You can't even say that he's getting an upgrade at quarterback. If it is, it's a teeny-tiny upgrade over Stafford because he's going from Stafford to Luck. And this is an offense that just added Ryan Grant to the outside. Doyle is still going to command lots of targets, especially in the red zone. I'm not feeling Eric Ebron as as a uh, as a what is he now a fifth year breakout candidate sixth yeah, year breakout candidate fifth. however long he's been a fifth yeah, year right fifth. he's been in the league five years now right so this will be his fifth season right I, I yeah I mean I'm not I don't think anybody's gonna be high on Eric Ebron and Eric you would agree that the consensus in the fantasy community will be Doyle ahead of Ebron right yeah but my guess is that. Indianapolis still adds more talent to their receiving core on top of Ebron and Grant, and uh, they, they got to do something at running back. Curious to see how this offense ends up looking. Not to mention offensive line; that's still going to be an issue for for the Colts. Yeah, my only thing is you have you still have Ebron ahead of Najoku and OJ Howard, so that's interesting. I'll tell you what I think. I think he is not part of the startable fantasy tight end tier. I think it. I think it stops after George Kittle at number thirteen. Okay, and which Doyle, is great because if you're in a twelve team league, then that means that there's enough tight ends to go around, unless some goofball in your league takes two. Well, I get it with Doyle. Uh, even I wouldn't rank him fourth. Nobody would really, but Heath, and that's fine. I, I could see it. He was number nine last year in standard, number seven in PPR. I don't know that many people had him in the top ten. But that was without Andrew Luck. So they have the third-worst passing offense in the NFL. What can this guy do if he has Andrew Luck? He had 80 catches last year. He only caught four touchdowns. He caught 80 of 108 targets. That's tremendous. And I, I definitely I definitely wouldn't have even criticized Heath for Doyle fourth. But I'd love to know where Heath has him now with the Eric Ebron signing. Because it changes everything. It really does. Andrew Luck's tight end usage in his four healthy seasons. Dwayne Allen... 66, 66 targets, Fleener 48 targets. They had, they both had, you know, non-starter worthy years. That was 2012. 2013, Fleener had 88 targets. Fleener, that was the, that was the one year where there was only one guy involved 
at tight end for Andrew Luck, and it was Fleener. He had 608 yards and four touchdowns. It was Luck's second year. He didn't have that great of a year. He showed promise, but it wasn't anything special. 2014, Fleener was number six in standard, number eight in, in PPR. He had 774 yards and eight touchdowns. Dwayne Allen was 12th in standard, 17th in PPR. He had eight touchdowns. Uh, they both had eight touchdowns. And then 2016, Jack Doyle was 13th, and Dwayne Allen had six touchdowns and 400 yards. Eric Swope even had 22 targets. So he just likes throwing to multiple guys and uh, kind of sucks for Jack Doyle to sum it up. It, it does. Uh, I, I want to point out that I do like the potential creativity in the Colts coaching staff and how they'll use these guys. But even though they're both tight ends in fantasy, I would expect, just like I said, for Ebron to line up as a slot receiver or on the outside more and Doyle to be that inline tight end a lot more often. Um, yeah, I could get talked into real easily moving Doyle down my rankings even more. And the last thing is Tyler Eifert, Dave. And, and before I get to Tyler Eifert, I want to say two things. Uh, really just one. We'll have a show uh, probably on Thursday. I want your voicemails. Give us a call, 954-689-3199. I've got some voicemails to use I'd like a lot more, like at least five to get on the show. I love them. I think they're fun. I think they're really cool. If you have a keeper question on a voicemail, I'd really prefer you not send it. Maybe send that in a written email instead. But it has to be, like, at most two or three names. But I'd like to know your general thoughts. You know, tell me who's moving up your rankings. It doesn't have to necessarily be a question. Tell me something bold. But call us up. Leave us a message, 954-689-3199. Start your voicemail with, this is Adam in New York, whatever, and then answer, ask your question. You can give us a greeting if you want. Uh, just wait for the answering machine, whatever, and leave us a voicemail, and I will try to get it on the air, but I'd love to do that on Thursday, and I'd love to know what our listeners think about free agency or anything else. Exactly. One of the guys that I'd love to put out a call for from everybody listening, call us and tell us about what you think of Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. heading into this year. Sure. Got I, into a heated debate on Twitter. Oh, you uh, did? About him, yeah. One guy just laid out a great argument saying the Rams didn't use him the right way. He should be healthy coming into this year, and he's going to end up being the number one receiver in Kansas City. If you agree with that sentiment, tell me where you're going to draft Sammy Watkins. I want to know. I agree with some of that sentiment. Not the number one thing, but that, you know, that it's just a bad landing spot for him. I'd be so pumped about Sammy Watkins. But that's for Thursday. Dave, Tyler Eifert's number 17 for you in both standard and PPR. Let me tell you something that might surprise you about Tyler Eifert. It won't surprise you. might surprise some people about Tyler Eifert. In 2015, he was the number six tight end in standard and PPR. Number six with 52 catches, 615 yards, and 13 touchdowns. He did that in only 13 games. So that's number six in 2015. What about 2016, Adam? Glad you asked, everybody. If he had played 13 games, not even 16, just 13 games, he would have been number eight in standard, number 11 in PPR. So he's a he's a touchdown guy. And there's reason to believe he could do that again, Dave. But what do you think about Eifert back with the Bengals? Risk-reward type of fantasy option, the kind that you want to spend one of your last couple of picks on. There's no way you can feel good about Tyler Eifert being a reliable starter for your team week in and week out. And he's basically become a touchdown or bust type of tight end. So there's there's not a lot there that you can get excited about. Okay. 17th in your rankings. I'm not even touching him in PPR. Well then, let's just just go through the rest of the news. 
Oakland signed Doug Martin. Give me your quick reaction to everything, okay? Oh, Oakland signed Doug Martin, but plans. Do you want? Do you want sounds like that? That quick? Nah, nah. Okay, we can do better than sounds. Yeah, just give me a sentence or two. A sentence or two. Doug Got Martin it. to the Raiders. Not going to draft him. Does it affect Marshawn Lynch? It affects. I think it affects Richard and Washington more. I don't know. I don't know what the hell the Raiders are thinking bringing him in. <laughs> Fantasy wasteland. It, it's it's frustrating. Kyle Shanahan loves Jarek McKinnon. We actually talked about this in part one of this show. So yeah, I, I, I he's actually going to be top twenty for me at running back in standard, not top fifteen. Okay. I think that that might have been a little too aggressive, but I, I see twelve hundred yards, six touchdowns. 1,200 total yards, not rushing. Detroit signed LeGarrette Blunt to a one-year deal. Um, again, he's he's not an exciting running back for fantasy. He's a touchdown or bust type guy. And unless the Lions make some sort of drastic change, I just don't – I don't see him being very helpful. I, he's definitely not going back to the, what he was in New England two years ago. That was more than two sentences. I do know that Matt Patricia trusts him. Might give him a leg up on being the starter. When training camp opens. Danny Woodhead retired. Going to miss that guy. Loved him. Loved having him on my fantasy team in PPR. And um, Too many sentences. New England side. <laughs> New England side Jeremy Hill. Is he this year's Mike Gillisley? Uh, for his sake, I hope not. Baltimore signed sake? Crabtree for Hill's sake. Baltimore signed Crabtree. Oakland signed Jordy Nelson. Jacksonville cut Alan Hearns. He's going to be an interesting guy for people to uh, to look at, for teams to look at. There's a lot of teams that need receiver help. He's 6'3". He can play in or out of the slot. Kind of an up-and-down, star-crossed career. Remember, he had 10 touchdowns a couple of years ago. Who See is your favorite lands. Jacksonville receiver? Mark Easley. Okay. Indianapolis signed Ryan Grant. Is he healthy? <laughs> he, he wasn't <laughs> last week. Right, so now all of a sudden he's passing physicals for for the Colts. Uh they they just need they need warm bodies at wide receiver, so they got one. Seattle signed Jerron Brown. They need warm bodies at wide receiver. They got one. I'll tell you what, and I'm giving you more than two sentences. I'm starting to get a little nervous about Russell Wilson. Wow, really? Who are his targets? And what's going on with his offensive line? Save it for Thursday because Heath has Russell Wilson as his number one quarterback. Uh, New England acquired Cordell Patterson to be a kick returner. Tight end news. Talked about Eifert. Talked about Ebron. Jacksonville signed Austin's Ferry Jenkins. Good red zone threat. They they need those guys. Seattle signed Ed Dixon. Uh, I've never started him in a fantasy game, I don't think, my entire life. <laughs> Offensive line news. Arizona signed Justin Pugh, former Giants tackle and guard. Five I hope deal. he stays healthy. I hope he stays healthy and can help David Johnson out. Miami signed Josh Sitton and acquired – he's a guard – and acquired center Daniel Kilgore from San Francisco. Steps in the right direction for them. I hope they stay healthy. How about this one? The Chargers signed Mike Pouncey to a two-year $15 million deal. They're also going to get Forrest Lamp back this season. He missed last season with an injury. So that that's a nice little signing there for the Chargers. Yeah, that's going to be one of the more interesting offensive lines this year. But again, Pouncey, hope he can stay healthy. There's a reason why all these guys are changing teams. Yeah, Pouncey did stay healthy last year, but it has not been the norm for him. No, and I don't know if he played great last year. 
Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay signed former Baltimore center Ryan Jensen to a four-year, forty-two million dollar deal. He's, I think, he's the highest-paid center in the NFL now, right? Ryan. This offseason has presented uh, the highest-paid offensive tackle, that's Solder, highest-paid center, which is Jensen, and the highest-paid guard, which is Norwell in Jacksonville. Yeah. And Teams are desperate for offensive line help, man. There, there is a problem with offensive line talent coming into the league. It's not coming in as much as fast as these coaches want it to, and it's changed the market whenever any of these really good offensive linemen become free agents. Did Kirk Cousins get the highest annual average salary? I don't think he he does. Okay. He he doesn't have thirty million. We all thought he'd get thirty million. Oh right, Garoppolo may have though. He might be. Garoppolo might be number one in AAV. Well, it doesn't matter because when Aaron Rodgers signs his next contract, he'll be it. Uh, New England signed. Well, but this is good news for whoever the Buccaneers get at running back. You know, so just keep that in mind. Ryan Jensen, highest paid center, going to Tampa Bay, and that will move Ali Marpet uh, on a magic Marpet ride back to guard. <laughs> back. Yep. Yes. New England signed former Seattle offensive tackle Matt Tobin. Buffalo signed Russell Bodine for from a former Cincinnati center and offensive tackle Marshall Newhouse. And the Falcons signed Brandon Fusco. Okay, great. Minnesota signed Sheldon Richardson. Let's go to the defense. Oh, man, Minnesota. Sheldon Richardson. I like I, it. I spent a lot of time as part of a scouting program that I did this offseason watching the Minnesota defensive line, and they are going to get a lot better with Sheldon Richardson there. One-year contract, he's basically a mercenary for them on that D-line, and it makes a good defense even better. So Sheldon Richardson's to Minnesota. Carolina signed on Terry Poe. Uh, Tampa Bay signed former Bears defensive tackle Mitch Unrein, who's a good run stuffer. Tampa Bay <laughs> made some, and they signed Vinny Curry to a three-year deal. They got better up front. Good for that. They need it bad. They had no pass rush last year. Oh, right. Terrible. Curry's a good addition for them. Houston signed Tyron Matthew. And they got Aaron Colvin, right? They did get Aaron Colvin. Matthew's going to play safety for them. I like it. That's a that's a big upgrade. Two nice pieces in that secondary. Absolutely. And remember, they've got a lot of pass rush pieces coming back as well. Yeah. So you can't sleep on Houston being the type of defense that they were last season. Did you know that Jadeveon Clowney is my favorite player to watch in the NFL? No, I didn't know that. I love it. I watch a Texans game. The only player I'm watching is Jadeveon Clowney. Isn't that weird? He's a beast. No, it's not weird. He's a beast. And Vontez Perfect is appealing a four-game suspension for PED use. And yesterday, Dave, I got clickbaited so bad. What happened? You ever had you ever succumb to clickbait? Sure, sure, sure. Fifteen on-screen couples who hate each other in real life. There's no way I could not look at that. That's that's something my wife's gonna click on. <laughs> so you don't want to know who it is? Go ahead. Let's see how many of these I actually know. Remember, I live in a football cocoon. Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades of Grey. No idea who they are. Fifty Shades oh, the, of Grey. Wait a minute. Are those the that those yeah. are the people in Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. Now the word despise is used very or hate. It's hate despise. They don't all hate each other. They they didn't get along on set. And they had to like perform Oh yeah. Grown up scenes oh, together. Yeah. Tom oh, Hardy and Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. They're I've on. heard of them. I know Charlize Theron. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn and Four Christmases. <gasps> oh, this one's gonna, this one's gonna knock your socks off. Are we really talking about all these? You're Ryan, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams in the notebook. Oh, my wife will be disappointed to hear that. Yeah. 
I've seen it. I've watched it. I cried. It was so sad. I, I refuse. I absolutely refuse. You should watch it one time. And then, no, I will never. And then, like, in exchange, your wife has to, like, make you a big plate of baby back ribs covered in barbecue sauce, (laughs) big thing of fries, big tall glass of milk. Wait, this was the last one. Like, it's a trade-off type of deal. Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing. Oh, they didn't get along, huh? No, they did later in life. They they forgave each other, but they it was a little tense, I guess. All right, let's read emails. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. This is from Leaf from London. Dear Leonard, Ezekiel, and Trent. Those are running backs. Mm-hmm. Barring injury, how many destination teams for Saquon Barkley? Oh, that's what it is. They're running backs who went in the top five. All right, Trent Richardson. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. And Fournette. And Leonard Fournette. Barring no, injury. No, because Carter in there, huh? No, I guess not. How many destination teams for Saquon Barkley don't result in him being a consensus top 10 pick in August? <laughs> Fun. There's a few. Um trying to remember off the top of my head about which ones would not be. Oh, I think I think the Giants would scare Giants me. Giants could be one of them because that offensive line is just – I know they got Nate Solder, but I know that there's also issues everywhere else on that line. Uh, let me get back to you in a couple minutes. It's hard for me to make a Browns running back a top 10 overall pick. You know? I understand. Colts would be amazing. Colts, Colts, he could be like the fifth pick in the draft. <laughs> I wouldn't bat an eye. Uh, this is Aaron vacationing on an island in Hawaii. Dynasty question. With Trey Burton now playing for the Bears, what, if any, dynasty value does Adam Shaheen have? Not a lot. It it hurts him a lot. He will probably be the Jack Doyle there, where he plays a lot of inline tight end, and he might not play every down. And he's going to be used as a blocker and a red zone guy. So touchdown or bust tight end, It's it stinks for him. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe when training camp opens up, he's making plays and flashing bright, and then he's got some appeal. But for now, I, I don't see it. For Shaheen, okay. From Joseph. Hey, Ben, Brown, Brett, Ben, Brown, Bell, and Bryant. That is tough to say. Ben, Brown, Bell, and Bryant. Early keeper question. 10-team, full PPR, keep two vets and a rookie. The vets would be Gronk, Howard, Allen Robinson, Diggs, Deion Lewis. No penalty on the rounds. Which two should I keep? Gronk, Howard, Allen Robinson, Diggs, Deion Lewis. Well, I would keep Gronk and Howard. I just don't think that those are the best two guys there. You do think that those are the best two guys? Yeah, I would take them ahead of Diggs and Allen Robinson. Here is Even in a PPR. Here is a question from Andrew from a mountain town in Oregon. Green Mountain. Okay. Hello, Adam, Dave, Keith, and Jamie. Quick keeper question. I've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes. I can keep six players. Assuming we all agree that Jimmy Garoppolo is the one to keep over Mahomes, what is a good trade value for Mahomes? Oh, so this is one of those leagues where you can trade your players before you have to declare your keepers? Yeah. So you get something for nothing? Can't stand that. <laughs> Bugs me. Irks me. Pet peeve. Interesting. Uh, trade value for Mahomes is a round 9-10 pick. Nine ten. Okay. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy getting that for him. This is from Josh. Where's he from? I might try and keep him though. Where's Josh from? 
Josh is from Philadelphia. I know it's early, but here's my keeper question. Ten-team standard. He didn't say how many, so I'm guessing only one. Ezekiel Elliott in round two. Dalvin Cook in round four. Jamal Williams in round 16. Ertz in round nine. Russell Wilson in round seven. Zeke in two. Cook in four. Dalvin Cook in four. Jamal Williams, 16th round. Ertz in the ninth. Russell Wilson in the seventh. Woo! Tough calls. I'm going to go with Zeke if you can only keep one. But if you can keep two, I'd go Zeke and Ertz. I was going to go with Cook. Cook would be third for me. Because it's a 10-team league, you might be able to have a bit of an advantage by having a stud tight end. Okay. Uh, and, Dave? and the value for Ertz in round nine is phenomenal. Did you determine which teams would make would not I make had it in notes somewhere and I can't find them. But I think Cleveland was one of those teams that was outside the top 12. Uh, the Giants are outside the top 12. Denver would be inside the top 12, but I don't think they're going to do it now. And um Indianapolis would be great for him. Even with the offensive line questions that we have, it would just it would be a great fit. Yeah. All right then. They can always get a bunch of offensive line <laughs> with those second round draft picks. Could you imagine if the <laughs> If the Jets take Barkley, they traded all those picks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. That would be crazy. We are done for the day. We'll be back later this week, probably on Thursday. Please send us your voicemails, 954-689-3199, and we'll talk to you then. Na-na-na-na-na-na. It's all right. I've got Levy.